0: to the newest episode of penpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matthew Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services also the creators of The Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. We are in full swing today coming back from holiday vacation with our second episode of the day to make up for the ones we missed during vacation. And I have the pleasure of being joined by an author from the other side of the world in Australia, Suzanne Kolberg. How are you today, Suzanne?
1: I am great, Matt. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It is my pleasure. As we were saying, behind the scenes is a great time of year where our time zones align and I don't have to stay up late and you don't have to get up at the crack of dawn to do this.
1: It's a win-win.
0: It's a win-win. <laughs> so I know you you are an author, but I'd love for you to just give everyone a little background first on, on yourself, kind of who you are, what you do, what prompted you to write a book.
1: So I am a mom of two who hopefully will not interrupt us during this, fingers crossed, because it's still summer holidays here in Australia. I know for you guys it's winter, but I love that. It's totally different. I'm a NOPE coach, so I help people set boundaries and say no to others so they can say yes to themselves and actually do the things that they want to do. Like how many of us want to write a book one day, want to start a podcast one day, want to do something one day? And it's like, why not now? And I currently live in Sydney, though we do move around quite a bit, which is another reason it's awesome that I'm an entrepreneur because we follow my husband to all sorts of places around Australia. And yeah, I'm known for my crazy t-shirts. So today I have, oh, hug at your own risk (laughs) with the porcupine on there. So yes, I take my work very, very seriously, but my life, not so much because if I'm not having fun, I don't want to do it.
0: You know, that's kind of the mentality I've tried to set for 2023. Even with my goal setting, I felt like last year, not that there's anything wrong with having business or financial goals, but I love writing so much. Everything became so corporate and i did not leave my corporate job to do this to not have fun doing it so for this year the focus i took all everything away and i'm just focusing on actually for the next 24 months helping 100 people tell their story
1: oh that's a brilliant goal i love it Because what do they say entrepreneurs the only people who leave at nine to five to work <laughs> 24 7 that's true. why we need boundaries <laughs> It is. And you know, we're going to talk
0: a little bit about that because I can use some help there. This was finally the first holiday season where I promised myself I was going to take two weeks off and I lived up to it. I disconnected completely, didn't respond to anything. Last year, I said I was going to do it. And then I was too worried about money. I was too worried about what my clients were going to think. This year, I was like, no, this is the way it is. And I was shocked when I found 90% of my clients didn't have any intention of meeting me during the holidays either. So it was a win-win.
1: Boundaries, boundaries make bank. It's like when we model that for our people, they like, oh my gosh, you get to live like this and get paid. They're excited for us and for them. And also like originally I was training to be a doctor. So I went to medical school. And what I love about being a coach is there's no emergencies in coaching. Like if you're ringing me, then you really should be going to the hospital. Like I cannot help you. I just literally took two weeks off before becoming a boundaries and note coach. I was a weight loss coach. So the time between Christmas and new year, I used to get so many emails, messages, phone calls, and I would take them and I would do them and I was exhausted. And now I'm just like, nope. if you've had this problem for however long, you can wait another two weeks. Like not from a place of uncaring or disheartening or whatever, but how many of us get so sick of ourselves? We're so desperate. We want somebody to save us. And then we're not in it for the long term. So I found when I fielded those calls, or when I took those things, I ended up feeling really drained and people didn't stay in it for the long term. So like for, for us coming on this podcast, I, <laughs> you sent me some emails. I was like, oh, first of all, they were in my spam. Don't know what happened with that. But it's like, I didn't check my email at all. I didn't even take my computer. It was the most heavenly holiday ever.
0: <laughs> I actually, I've started living by this phrase that I said to someone earlier today too. Poor planning on your part is not an emergency on my part.
1: Yes. My husband says that all the time. Like mm-hmm. he, he's a asset engineer for asset planning for long-term projects. And I literally hear him on the call saying, it's like, well, this is not my problem. Like poor planning on your part. Except he adds a, another P to the poor. <laughs> We're poor. very irreverent in Australia. <laughs> Piss poor? Yes.
0: Well, that's a, that's a common one here too. But yeah, you're right. you like for what I do, we have clear deadlines. We have We have clear project schedules. If you decided to do all your work during my
1: vacation, that's not my problem. Yeah, but I think as a coach, especially if you're, for, for what you do, ghostwriting or, or editing or stuff, you have a process. If the person is like wanting a specific launch date. So with my book, I was easy breezy. I didn't care. But I know some people want a specific launch date because they have a, they might be having a an event. They might be having, they might be doing a podcast tour. They might have so many things. But if they don't get the stuff to you on time for you to be able to edit it or, or whatever, that puts the whole project behind. And then you have other clients too. And I think this is something that people don't think about. It's like if I've slotted to work on your thing at Wednesdays at two and you don't have it to me at Wednesdays at two and then you give it to me at four, well, you've missed the boat because now I have my other clients. And I think communicating that, like boundaries, people are afraid by by, by stating that people won't want to work with us. But clear is kind. If you're like actually the reason I need it by here is because this is when it's scheduled and if it doesn't, you know, it's not going to happen on time. They can, they can kind of understand it. Whereas otherwise they're like, Oh, they're just, they're just really hard to work with. But you know, this is the slot, slot that I've allocated and I need the work by here, or it's just going to have to wait to the following week.
0: I, I love that you said that because yeah. And sometimes those conversations, you know, most times people will get it, but I've had plenty of clients where I've had to repeat three, four five times. If we meet on a Tuesday at nine, you have your list of stuff to get to me before our a couple days before our next meeting, just because you're working on it the following Tuesday at 7am doesn't mean that I'm going to be ready to discuss it with you at nine. You missed your boat, as you said.
1: Yeah. And that's the same. Like the clients I work with one-on-one at least an hour before the session in the day coming up to the session or at least an hour, there's some things they need to send me not war and peace, but you know, just a couple of things. If they don't have that to me on time, Then we start the session with me fishing for that. And then we spend the first half an hour. It's like I used to be a personal trainer. I've done lots of things. (laughs) And I liked, personally, my clients to be already warmed up. So then we can get the most out of that time together. Some people didn't like that. And that's okay. I would go with their preference. But, you know, you can warm yourself up. You don't need me for that part. Let's go. (laughs) So the same, you know, if you don't have the chapters to use so that you could have proofread them, you can spend the time talking about how tough it is and how hard their week was and whatever, or you can be like, let's get the project done.
0: And that's how you <laughs> know who's going to be a pleasure to work with and who's not right. So like your clients who wouldn't warm up, those are on the thing. Like, I don't know if I want to work with them because they're probably going to be a problem going forward. Before yes. I work with anyone, I send them a book, check, a checklist, I send them tools. And the expectation is on our second free consultation, you're going to come prepared to speak about what I sent you. Yes. And if you come with nothing, Chances are, I'm not even going to take you on as a client if you want to work with me, because that's going to be a really, that's going to be indicative of how you're going to treat the project for the next six months.
1: I think that is such a powerful frame to bring to it because there is a difference between resistance, which we all go through, like is like, you know, and excuses, which are like, I don't really want to do this because you can't want to launch their book more than they do. Like, I can't want my clients to have boundaries more than they do. Like I understand it's difficult and I understand that, you know, other people don't always respond in the way that we hope we do, but this is how we learn. Like, you know, you can have written something and go like, this is absolutely terrible and I don't like it. But from here we can edit all this out and go. Like when I write, I write a weekly newsletter. I I used to spend an entire day on it. And what's that law? Pareto's principle or whatever. The time that you give the project that you it will take. So now we work Pomodoro style. Well, that's what I do, 25 minutes on, five off. I give myself 25 minutes to write the newsletter, edit it, send it out. Yeah, one take, no fake kind of thing. After I've written the first paragraph, I always almost invariably just chuck. Because <laughs> like, it's just me waffling on with background that the people don't need to know. And it's like, let's just get to the meat. And that's how I send it. <laughs> and that's how I'm a prolific writer, because, you know, this is for a newsletter. It's not for a book or anything. And no one newsletter is going to make or break my business. Because sometimes I'll be like, oh, what if this happens? Or what if that happens or whatever? And I'm like, yeah, that can unsubscribe. And I think taking the pressure off is how I get so much stuff done.
0: One of the biggest things that I find that works for me, and it's not exclusive to book writing. It could be newsletter. It could be blog. It could be a speech. Bullet points. Rather than sit there for I mean, you you don't want to write the whole thing in bullet points. But sit down and brainstorm. What are you trying to say in this in this delivery, right? So if it's a blog, it's 500 words, you can only cram, put it all down, what's the most important, what aligns? Same thing with a newsletter. I'm the same way, I I tend to be very wordy, right? As a writer, I write write fiction, I write nonfiction. So I can sit there and write 5,000 words and not have really said anything. Having bullet points (laughs) in front of you at least keeps you on task with, all right, I'm gonna beat around it a little bit, but at least I know what I'm trying to say.
1: Yes, yes, it's so funny because I have a scientific background and my husband's an engineer. And he'll be like, "So, what you try to say here is," I'd like take the entire page and give it to a sentence. And before we hit record, you and I were talking. You were saying you don't ever edit your own stuff. The gift of COVID for us is being my husband now works from home permanently, so he has the privilege of proofreading my newsletters because I, yeah, I can't edit my own stuff. He doesn't do a whole thing; just kind of in yesterday's one, I, I did my you know, usual, wrote it out in like ten minutes. And I was trying to say decluttering. (laughs) And it I've got it wrong. It said decluttering. And I was like, well, it was an email about overcoming perfectionism. So I could just leave it there. (laughs) But I was like, I did not see that no matter how many times that I'd read it. And then I did a post about it on socials. And I think sometimes too, like our, our mistakes got me the most sign-ups. Cause like, what is this about? I want to read it. Sign-up, side sign-up, side sign-up. Side so I just think it's funny. Like we try and like, I've never been one for total polish. I'd rather John is better than perfect. As I say, imperfections attract us to people rather than something that looks so polished that I never want to, I don't feel related to them.
0: Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. Sometimes writing a book can be the easy part. Taking those raw word processor documents and turning them into visually appealing pages that are compliant with independent publishing standards can be a daunting task. Don't trust your finished product to just anybody. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview there were points when I first got my new website up where I would have prospective clients on a call. say, you know, there's a couple typos on your website. And I was like, after the first one or two times I just started rolling. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's actually a test to see if people can catch it.
1: Because I of- often leave typos in my things that one. I was like, yeah, I don't know, but I wish I had that, you know, but, um, and the other thing, if you read through my stuff often in weird places, like, Does anybody ever read the privacy policy? I put stuff in there, like a giveaway, like email me this. And sometimes when people do catch them and they email me, they're like, oh, you're going to give me a program or a coaching session or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I always reward eagle eyes. But so many people don't read the stuff.
0: (laughs) To that same point, my business consultant, when I was looking to hire people and I was trying to figure out, because I had went through a ton of just terrible people, he helped me craft a job posting where it was very much like, there were little nuggets in there of things the person had to put in their response in order for me to know they actually fully read through what the job required. So somewhere in there, they would say, you know, put the first word of your response as Jurassic. And then I would go on with the responsibilities and somewhere in the middle, make sure the last word is park. And if it didn't come back with both, I wouldn't even read your submission. I don't care if you were Stephen King, if you did not read the post, you weren't getting hired.
1: I like that too. I remember once I put out a little post and I was like, you know, I want somebody who has attention to detail. What's your favorite color? And the number of people who wrote back and said, I have attention to detail, but of all the responses only two. my colors, favorite colors, pink. And I think the other one was something like oyster or some weird kind of, you know, but it was like, they'd read it. So I love people who are like, I, I have attention to detail. I was like, well, no, you don't. Cause the next part of it was what's your favorite color.
0: <laughs> and I mean, there's certain positions like an editor where I need to know you've read the damn job description. Like this is the most important, if you're not even reading the description, how do I know you're going to read the work when you get it?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it's funny with my client notes, my one-to-one client notes, because I used to spend so much time tidying them, needing them. And then I realized sometimes we make more work for ourselves, like it's student mentality or whatever. So I started writing in to them. Are you really reading this? Like, you know, halfway through. And sometimes it was like three months before somebody came back and said yes. So now for the next stage of my business is being you're free to record the session, like make your own notes, but I'm not making extra work for myself because if people aren't even reading it anyway, I think sometimes, yes, I'm all about, what is it? Dotting I's and crossing T's, but only if they need to be done. The the other thing with this, you have to take with
0: a grain of salt. We could easily get pulled in a million directions. If we do every single thing someone suggests to us, I get unrequested feedback all the time. Like, you know, you should do this with your podcast. You should do that. I'm like, thanks. Are you running it?
1: I love how you say thanks I was like uh did I ask and it's (laughs) it's now I did a vulnerable share to my list the other day vulnerable can't say the word today and basically in the beginning I was like I am not available for coaching healing recommendations like I think so many of us don't share in current day and age because people are quick to to jump on this and but then again we've got to be clear with our boundaries what are we looking for so it's like for this post I'm just looking to share in other times if I am looking for help like it's the people who slide into your DMS. It's like, I can get your Instagram to 10,000. And you look at theirs and he's like, you've got like 10 followers. So why don't you go and get your own Instagram to 10,000? Or
0: am I the only person who thinks that? (laughs) No, no. My favorite is I get random unrequested emails from a Gmail account saying I'm a so-and-so expert. I've been doing this for 20 years. I can help you with your website. I'm like, then why are you using a Gmail account? Like if you're actually a professional, what's your business name? Like if it's just you, And you're reaching out to me on requests, then how much business do you really have?
1: Yes, I think there's something too. I love, I'm not opposed to unsolicited requests. I'll say it like that. But don't copy paste me, especially like, dear sir, madam, or I love your content. Like someone messaged me and they were like, hi, Suzanne. So they got my name winning. I love your procrastinator shirt. I have the same one. So they've watched something of mine. Like, you have my attention. But when it's just like I can fix this, like how presumptive is that? Like, A, is that even my focus? Like I don't care about my YouTube right now. I Personally, I just put stuff on there and hope for the best. Eventually it will come to forefront. But at the moment my own focus has been my own podcast. So you're making an assumption that this is a priority for me. I don't like that. And, two, I can fix like I don't know. I find that kind of insulting. Would you like something?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, oh my God. You hit it on the head. Cause you're right. There's one or two times that I've gotten an unsolicited email, and it's very rare. Like you really have to impress me where someone did that. They're like, Oh, we, we listened to a bunch of episodes of your podcast. We particularly like this one. We think it would work really well for your social media. If you cut these up into 30 minute clips and did Instagram reels, we specialize in that. Now you got me right. You took the time. You, I know you listened to it cause you pulled things out. You wouldn't know otherwise, and I hired them. It didn't work out because I also knew I didn't really have the bandwidth. I was hoping for a miracle. But the ones where they reach out and go, oh, you know, I've listened to your show and the quality's not perfect and it could really use this. You just lost me. If you're trying to yeah. sell something, the worst thing you do is start by insulting them.
1: Yes. I remember I pitched a podcast and I made a reference to Disney because I listened to the episode and they talked about it and I loved it. And they're like, this is what got you on. Normally we don't bring on people who don't have a huge following, but your know, your reference to it because I also love Disney and it's a it's the little things. Whereas I think sometimes we copy paste or we, you know, we send a, a thing. You can read that through the lines. Like so obviously. It's like I'd rather you not say it at all then I love your thing if you don't. Like be a bit genuine, people.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, and that's not to say you have to say something negative, but you don't have to make up fake compliments.
1: Yes, yeah and also saying something negative because like wh- why would you want to hire someone who's like I can fix this like if someone said to me hey I noticed you put your stuff on YouTube you know well done you, do you know you're not maximizing or I don't I don't know like some conversational thing or are you open to are you open to have, some you, have you ever thought about
0: increasing your viewership? Yeah.
1: that that would get my attention I um, am I open because like some people send me screenshots of stats and SEO and I'm like oh like <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not interested in this. So, and then, uh, and also too, are they willing to put their money where their mouth is? Because like, I'm going to get you this many more sales. I remember saying to someone once, "Okay, cool. So, we'll, we'll, I'll hire you on a commission basis. So, like, how many sales you get from this, you can have like 50. Oh no, no, and I'm like, no. <laughs> so,
0: yes, I actually that one company I was mentioning. The reason we stopped working there, I was going to give them another month, but it was like, I went to do it, and then the price went up. And they're like, oh, well, now that you have so many views and whatever, it's time like, one, you didn't say that the first time, like that this was an introductory price. Two, all those views didn't amount to a dollar in my pocket. So I'm not really sure why I want to hire you again for 50% more when I didn't make a dollar.
1: Yeah, I think that's too. And it's funny with views and stuff. I um, dabbled with reels at the end of last year. My friend showed me how to do it because I'm not very tech savvy. And I was like, well, what's the matter? No one's going to watch this anyway. Like in the beginning, that's just when you get to play first reel 65,000 views. I was like, "Oh," and then I freaked out and didn't make any more for like 3 months, and now I'm just getting back into it now because sometimes you have that success intolerance, like something does well. Not that I had sales or anything, but that was it too. Like lots of people watched it, didn't mean they bought anything. But I just thought that was so funny. I was like, "I don't know what I'm doing. No one's going to watch it anyway." 65,000 views. And some of the comments were like, "I held up my book and I didn't know how to use the camera reverse the screen thing." And it was like, "The book is backwards and all this was sort of stuff." I'm thinking how, how come people are so fast to tear everything down? I was like, so oh, yeah, yeah
0: I get <laughs> I've got a selfie on my Instagram with a book backwards. Someone brought it to my attention. I didn't take it down. I don't care.
1: <laughs> I was like, if this is the thing that you going to go on about, like we wouldn't work together well anyway, because none of my stuff's done. Everything I do is done with a whole lot of love and very little perfection.
0: Thank you for tuning into the pen podcast produced by pen for hire. Do you struggle with finding affordable and reliable proofreaders? Are you tired of the AI software that doesn't always understand human language? Pen for Hire has an extensive network of professionals we can refer you to to help. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. So what's funny here is I was going to say, we, we've only got about 10 minutes left here. And we didn't talk about your book, but in reality, I think we've kind of been talking about setting boundaries this entire time, right? Boundaries with people who are trying to solicit you boundaries with the people in your life boundaries with business decisions. So let's use that to segue your book. Uh, you know, when did you write it? Why did you write it? And what do you go well, through? This,
1: I'm looking forward to watching this back for content for my second book. Cause that's what my book, my second book is going to be about boundaries Um, My first book's called The Beginning of Shit. (laughs) And my second book, working title, is The Messy Middle. So this is my weight loss memoir. So basically, I used to weigh twice what I do now. My parents put me on my first diet at age four. And from age four to 30, I went up and down and up and down and up and down, losing and gaining in excess of 500 kilos, so 1,000 pounds. And once I had my second child, I was like, done with diets. I'm. No longer available to starve myself or deprive myself. Like there's got to be something else. And I started on a a mindset journey, hence, in what became the boundaries, because I think so many people overeat because they overgive. You say yes to everybody else all day. And then by the end of the day, you're exhausted, drained, depleted, stay up late, eat chips, watch Netflix, tell yourself you'll do better again tomorrow. And then are always looking at the right diet or the right program when really you just got to say no. So the, the someone, book is a memoir. It's just my story of, of uh, yeah, bullying what diets, programs, deprivation. And to the point where I was like, I'm just done, done with this.
0: I, I love that. Cause I I've heard that from my own business consultant. Sometimes we're all kind of health is part of our plan and my will fluctuate a little bit. And usually it turns out to be, I'm my own worst enemy because just because someone invited me go to go invited me to go out to eat dinner at a restaurant that's not healthy doesn't mean I have to say yes and just because I go doesn't mean I have to eat what they're sharing with me or they want to order for the table you can put up a boundary go still enjoy yourself and have the right mindset of no I don't want to eat that because I'm gonna feel like crap tomorrow
1: I think that's the thing you've now on the head. I'm gonna feel like crap tomorrow. Not because the diet, because as soon as we get in the diet to mentality of oh well, I'm gonna start again tomorrow, then we eat as much as we can now, and then we lie to ourselves. Because how many times we start tomorrow or Monday, the universal day to change our lives? Whereas if we're like, I'm never starting again. Like this is my life. I can choose to eat this. Like very recently, I had way too much ice cream. If I eat sugar late at night, I don't sleep well. I wake up feeling like a sugar hangover. And then the next night I was like, oh, I want the ice cream. Like there's the other half of the tub there. And I was like, yeah, do you want to have another shitty night's sleep and wake up feeling crap? No. So it's not the pressure to the diet says. There's no rebellion. There's just like the choice. And we always have the choice. There's no passive eating like there's passive smoking. So even if somebody invites us, we can go. And also people like, well, what will other people think? People think very little about what we eat. We think heaps. (laughs) But most people don't even notice. And if someone says, "Oh, you're not eating much," oh, I'm not that hungry, or I had a big lunch, or whatever. It the conversation moves on. So a lot of it is the, the 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 stories we tell ourselves, bullshit stories we tell ourselves to excuse the behavior. When really it's just you know we've we've, for many of us who are parents, we've parented our children all day. We don't want to parent ourselves anymore. We just want free reign on the kitchen. And it's like, well, actually, every choice has a consequence.
0: Yeah, and, and there comes that point where how does the enjoyment outweigh the consequence. Like, how good is that ice cream in the moment? Was that worth how you're gonna feel tomorrow? In the moment, you may say yes. And then the next morning you're like, no, it really wasn't.
1: It's the same in business. If somebody comes along who's not a, a fit a ideal fit client and part of you screaming like just say no, r- refer them on or say like, I just don't think it's gonna be a fit, but you say yes. And then you're like, oh, they're really challenging. Not that they're not – everyone's a whole and healed and amazing person, but sometimes you're just not a fit to work together. Like for me, if you show up late, if you haven't set the stuff in beforehand, if you start getting all blamey and then, you know, it's not a fit to work together. But if you show up late, we can coach on that. We can be like, why are you late to everything? like you know let's co- you know, let's coach on the, the things because i think sometimes people confuse coaching with teaching like at school with a red pen and I, i'm i have no judgments on this but if this is something that you want to change in your life let's unpack this whereas we we start something and i'm sure writing is the same with a level of discipline we have never demonstrated anywhere else in our lives <laughs> and we're magically going to do this because we've signed on to write a book or we've signed on to work with someone it's like, no. So my book I wrote, I started it in 2018. At that stage, I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I didn't, have, And a husband who was flying fly out. So I, I committed to doing 15 minutes a day. And I, ideally, it was 15 minutes first thing in the morning. But my son went through his whole phase of waking up at 4 a.m. Thank goodness he's finished that now. <laughs> but wherever I could carve out that 15 minutes, I would just write it. I didn't read it back. I didn't get all precious about whether it was good or anything. And some days I'd write heaps and some days I'd push out a sentence or two. And then I just finished it mid-sentence. It was a deliberate choice for me so that I just read back that sentence I could get straight back in and keep going. Whereas when I got too worried about structure and this, like that's what the editing, like the first draft, get it out and then do something with it. Because you can edit mess. You can't edit the the cursor that's just blinking at you. <laughs>
0: I love when my guests completely just hit on the things I coach people on without me even prompting them because good editors make bad writers good and good writers great. You can work <laughs> with anything once there's words on paper, the worst thing you is sit there and just type, delete, type, delete. No, just get it out. You never know what's worth keeping and what's not.
1: Yes. Yes. And you don't know, like when I published my book, the parts of it that whether, cause it's a memoir were the hardest for me to write or the most impactful for me not the saying saying they didn't hit with people but like there's a a bit at the beginning of the book where I talk about being bullied at school which you know was hard but wasn't like emotionally whatever it has been the most responded to part of the book and it was so funny to me it was a moment in like you know a fleeting thing and I think sometimes too when we're so attached to our work and then having a good editor like I had a great editor there was a part of my book that I didn't really want to write so I kind of glossed over and she's like nope go back to that deepen it you're cutting the readers off it's like I don't want to (laughs) but the thing is that's the power of having somebody else work with you your your editor your coach whatever if you're available to be coached on it rather than not turning up or suddenly I have a headache no I can't do this today being honest about where you're at then you can help them to help you move through it that is so true no one
0: can force anyone to write a book even though our full serve is ghostwriting, we will write every word for you. I can't force you to show up to your weekly meetings. I can't show you to show up on time. I can't force you to show up on time. I can't force you to stay on topic. I can't force you to read the stuff between meetings to approve it. And there's so many points where it's like people just want or they think there's a a magical solution. And it's (laughs) your book, not mine. Like, I don't know what you know. I, I I can write what you tell me to write but I can't create it for you. Otherwise it would be my story and not yours.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's such a good point. Like I loved how you said the editors can make, you know, something good and good stuff. Great, but you need stuff. And I think so many of us, we hire a person to help us with something. And then we get in our own head and have our resistances, bit like perfectionism, procrastination, uh, judgment, cr- you know, criticism. And then it's like, no, no, bring that to the person that you've hired. That is gold because that's what's actually holding you back from the long-term success, not waiting to the level of perfection that you've never ever had in your whole life and likely never will.
0: (laughs) Well, we're almost at time, but I had one question written down that on that note, I have to ask before we go into the, uh, the upcoming program that you have. So what are some of the most common excuses you get from people on why they don't just start doing something?
1: They're going to wait until after some sort of event, Christmas, birthday, Valentine's day, kids going back to school, kids finishing daycare, but they have more time. Like magically we're going to have more time. There is always, if you look for a reason not to do something, you'll always find one.
0: And what is the most outrageous excuse you've ever gotten for someone saying they couldn't start something?
1: The most outrageous. Well, one of them was that they couldn't afford it. My program was $97 at the time, Australian, and our, our dollar is not that great. And then it was funny because I was in a mastermind that was starting two weeks later. They turned up in that mastermind, which was 2700 US. And what I laughed about it is because I'm, I'm never offended if you're like, Suzanne, I'm just not interested or it's not a priority for me right now or whatever. Like I just don't like, I, you know, we tend to say I don't have time, I don't have money. They're never the true reasons. Because it's funny, you didn't have 97 bucks for me, but you had equivalent of $4,000 Australian for someone else two weeks later. It's like, if you just said, like, I'm not interested, let's go about our way. But don't right. tell me you can't afford it.
0: We don't, <laughs> we, don't, we don't jive, we don't connect, whatever it may be. Don't quote me on the exact percentage, but my business coach tells me it all the time. Money is only 12% of the reason people do or don't do something.
1: Yes, so but I just remember her looking mortified and, and feeling so embarrassed about it. And I was like, I don't, I don't care. But like, if you just said to me, it's not a priority, I'd be like, cool, let's go. So now when I do, I don't do a whole lot of consults. When I do do consults and chat with people, I'm like, at the end of this, we're going to have a yes or no, because I think we let ourselves off the hook by maybe, maybe one day. And that's why a lot of programs called Why Wait? And people say to me, oh, maybe next round. And it's like, no, it's a no. I don't know, but maybe I'm like, I'm not offended, but let's get honest here. It is a no. (laughs) What's wrong with saying no? We should be normalizing this.
0: Yeah. This level set expectations. And even if you may want to do it in six months, it's still a no now. Do you mm-hmm. want me to call you and say, I'll follow up with you in six months, but I'm not going to have any high expectations that you're going to be ready to do it if you weren't then. But sometimes there are major events that happen. Like I've had it happen in my own business a year later, people have been like, you know what? Timing is perfect. Let's do it.
1: That's a, yes. small,
0: a small minority, but it does happen. But I'd rather you tell me the thing about else. the
1: program and that's what we're going to talk about now. So I'll just you know, segue into it. Why wait is designed to fit into your life because so many of us when we're going for a major life transformation like i've released 171 pounds like an entire person off my body with a one and a three-year-old a husband who was only home for two days out of 14 my family lives interstate like all this sort of stuff i was always like i can't i don't have time i don't have money i don't have babysitting i don't have like i if you wanted a list of reasons why i couldn't do it But true transformation doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's why shows like The Biggest Loser set people up for failure because they go into a house where they don't have to cook, they don't have to clean, they don't have to work, their whole life is on hold. Then when they go back, it's not that they're lazy or unmotivated or whatever. It's that suddenly all their responsibilities come back. So the reason I run Why Wait is, you know, we have stuff going on, like, and it's it's how do we still take ourselves seriously and make ourselves a priority in amongst everything else rather than waiting for the right time because there's never going to be one.
0: 100%. Susan, how do people sign up for that? Please also send me the information. I'll make sure we post it in the show notes, but how can people contact you, social media, link to your course? Please let everyone know.
1: So my course is on my website. So susankolberg.com. You'll find it there. It, it starts with it on the first page and I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. What I love about my name is with the unique spelling, I'm the only one. So if you search for Suzanne Kohlberg, you will find me.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. This has been an absolute pleasure. For everyone listening at home, this is uh, this has been 30 minutes spent with Matt Harms of Pen for Hire and Suzanne Kohlberg. Definitely, we love when you support our guests. Reach out to Suzanne, follow her on social media, sign up for the course if you have any questions and you're too shy to reach out to Suzanne, why wait, reach out to me and I'll connect you, whatever you're more comfortable with. But if you don't take the first step now, chances are, it's probably not going to happen this year. And you'll be saying the same thing in 2024. So don't let that be you, Suzanne. I appreciate the time you took today to share your life story with us. It's greatly appreciated. And I'm hoping to stay in touch with you in the future. Totally. Thank you, Matt. It's been my pleasure. Thank you.